0: Welcome to A Women's Clarity, a new program by C2P. A Women's Clarity aims to help both women and men in the financial services industry reach their full potential by interacting with like minded, strong, and motivated holistic advisors. We've partnered within our network of institutional and carrier partners to bring expertise, advice, tips, and more from talented female leaders, professionals, and practitioners from the finance sector. Welcome to another episode of A Woman's Clarity. This is Kirsten Schlumbaum, Vice President of Insurance Sales for C2P. And I am extremely pleased, excited, motivated, inspired with my guest today. I've known Kelly since November of 2020 during COVID when I was going through a career change. Um, Kelly is my personal cheerleader (laughs) Um, and somebody I trust dearly with, a lot of my vulnerable thoughts, personal thoughts. So I'm so excited to have Kelly Barnard with us. She's a life coach and a recovering workaholic. I'd love to know how that happened, but I'm excited to have her here today to talk about a topic that has been popping up for me with some of my my advisors. It's, it's the imposter syndrome. But before we get started, Kelly, would you like to share a little bit about you and your journey and what you currently do?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, first, person Kristen, it's so fun and such an honor to be here um, and speak to your your audience and your team about this very crippling experience that we all encounter, not just once, but many times in our lifetime, um, which actually I would love to introduce how imposter syndrome showed up in my life as I share just a quick overview and, and bio. So my background is in marketing and advertising. I was on the agency side in client service for 15, 16 years, loved it. And also knew I wanted to do something different, but that's where the imposter syndrome started showing up of like, what, what can I do? What am I capable of? All I know is, is marketing. And then I transitioned to launching my own business as a resume writer, but didn't have like a resume writing certification Right. Didn't have training. So I thought like, who am I, how can I do this? And someone took a chance on me, gave me an amazing review and my business kind of snowballed organically from there. And I also told myself it was luck. That it wasn't because I was talented at writing resumes. So that's just another example of how it shows up. And then I transitioned from like personal brand consultation into career coaching, which is when, you know, I met you in that time of my journey and my so you did help me
0: write a really fantastic yes. resume and LinkedIn <laughs> profile. So you got skills.
1: Yes. That's where my, my marketing background came into play. I love celebrating, um, women's experiences. And that's actually, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Kristen, because that reminds me when I was, when I was resume writing uh, for the first two years of my business, and I mainly worked with women, although I worked with men too, at all levels, like C-level down to more junior. And the women especially had the hardest time articulating their experience, talking about themselves celebrating their wins, owning their accomplishments. You know, we're two things. We're often trained and conditioned to say the we, because it's just more inclusive. You know, we're a team, we do things together. Um, But the, I just felt really uncomfortable for women. It felt like bragging. It felt like, An unfair credit was given. And I noticed that this was a consistent pattern I was seeing imposter syndrome was showing up when women were updating their resumes. And I wanted to go deeper and work with them on the stories they were telling themselves and help them really own their talents. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I transitioned to queer coaching and imposter syndrome showed up again, because I'm like, well, I don't have a certification. I don't necessarily want to get one. And it was okay because I had the experience um, and I helped women own their talents and really show up who they were authentically. And then last year, I decided to transition into life coaching because I wanted to go even deeper and broader with clients. And I graduated from a program in December. I'm now undergoing an ICF mentorship to become an ICF certified coach this year. Um, And I just love this topic because it shows up for women, it shows up for men, it shows up at all ages and all industries. And it's like that little devil on our shoulder. So long story long, I'm very intimate with imposter syndrome and I'm grateful to have this conversation with you.
0: Well that's one thing I always appreciated when working with you is that you were vulnerable and you were real. So when we had these conversations, you could relate. It wasn't like just make it to you, know, make it. You can do this, you'll get there. It was, well, let's let's peel back the layers and let's figure this out. And one thing I absolutely love about your bio is I help women reclaim their enoughness and worthiness behind their work. So that's a powerful statement because a lot of times like you said, you'll, th- you'll you're like I'm not worthy of this. Or we say, well, the, we, with the collective, we accomplished this, even if this person, the female was the one driving the conversation and completed the project. So can you share with me a little bit more for our listeners? What is imposter syndrome? Maybe they know of it. Maybe they've heard of it and it might be a buzzword. They might not just 100% un- understand what it is. Do you mind sharing? Yeah,
1: I yeah, know. I'd love to. And it's interesting because even after talking about this topic for, over five years now, I recently learned a new dimension of imposter syndrome just recently. So I think it's also evolving, to your point, because it's become um, so quick to label what we're feeling as imposter syndrome. I think it, it it's encompassing a lot more than maybe it was originally in, intended to. But my understanding is I know that it was created in in the 70s, um, 78, I believe. So fairly recently, um, and it was two women. And it was about this sensation of feeling like a fraud that we, that we don't belong. And in our careers, imposter syndrome tells us that we we don't have what it takes. We don't have the skills. I'm not, I'm, that's where like, the I'm not enough comes in and we don't feel we get really insecure. We lack the confidence and we don't feel like we can do the thing, even if we've already done it. And what I've also learned about imposter syndrome is it has shown up I think it's like 80 to 85% of us. So that's how rampant it is. And that includes men. Um, Women are more likely to, to experience it. So it's even higher. And I think women are more likely to experience it more consistently. Um, And what's also crazy about imposter syndrome is the more successful you are, the more likely you are to experience it. So I just find that really ironic because you think the more successful you become or, you know you get that big new title or the big paycheck and you think that that will just like release the imposter syndrome you, you've experienced in the past and that's not actually the case so and then the 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 imposter syndrome that i learned more recently is not about not just about how we relate to a role or a job or a skill set it's actually how we relate to a group so we can feel like we have imposter syndrome and we don't feel like we belong. So not even just like in an individual role, but within a culture, within an organization, mm-hmm. within a group of people. Um, and I know that's something that you shared with me too. So I'd love to hear kind of like your experience, what you've seen as it relates to imposter syndrome um, in relationship to groups.
0: Um, that's such a great question. I could talk personally, or I can talk about a shared experience I had with an advisor this week, but personally, if we're going to peel back the layers, I, I'm 100% comfortable being vulnerable with you and those who are listening is that when I was looking at this role of C2P, the title seemed large. And I think you and I spoke about that where I was like, I don't know, Kelly, is it, is is the title's too big. I check all the boxes mm. and I know I can do the job, but it's a big title. So I knew I held myself back because I had the job flagged for a, a few days. And then I talked with you about it and I kept it flagged for a few days. And all of a sudden one day I said, you know what? Kelly and I had this conversation there's too many of them excuse my french for those listening if it I don't mean to offend but there were too many hell yeses with this role with C2P for me to say no so I went ahead and applied and I, obviously from there I had my interviews and I went through the process and I had a great experience and I absolutely love what I do supporting the C2P pillars and our our goals and our big, hairy, audacious goal, but I almost didn't apply because I had that fear of not being enough. So through you and I kind of unpacking that, why would I think that I applied for something that I am extremely happy and rooted, grounded and growing with. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I almost didn't. So I don't know where I would have landed if I hadn't taken a chance. Does that make any sense?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if I can just jump in and share, and I think your listeners have likely heard this before, but just in case they haven't or as a refresher, when we're looking at making career changes or transitions, I mean, look at a, a, a job description, for example, you know, men will look at the description, check 50 to 60% of the boxes and apply for it. Kind of like, like with a why not mentality, like, sure, I can do this thing. Um, like they really like believe in themselves. There's just that like built, I think more built in confidence, but women will look at that same job description and maybe check less of those boxes and they won't apply. They, they, they are, they tell themselves they have to check a hundred percent of the boxes to apply. Mm -hmm. And what I heard recently, I can't take credit for this statement, but what I learned is when we look at roles, any role, like a job or maybe even within a relationship, and if we check all the, if we check all the boxes, we actually aren't going to grow. So there's so, there's so much value in stretching into our discomfort. So like, which then becomes our growth zone. And that's why I think where imposter syndrome tends to show up when we're a little uncomfortable, we're a little unsure of ourselves. Um, we maybe feel a little less safe, but that's actually where the magic and the juice is. Um, so that was just specific to a job description, but I think that totally applies to all areas of our life.
0: It's so funny that you say that because between you and my older sister, my big sister, who always gives me advice when I ask for it, sometimes when I don't, she, <laughs> you both had said to me, if it's too comfortable, you're not growing. If it's a little bit uncomfortable, if it makes you nervous, if it gives you the butterflies, go for it. The worst thing that could have happened, C2P could have said no, but they said yes, and it's been an amazing experience. Has there been challenges, you know, obviously with any kind of career path that you're on, there's challenges, but a lot of times a challenge is something that you can overcome. So that's a great thing when you lean into those butterflies and you kind of push that little voice saying you can't do it to the side. And the funny conversation I had this week with one of my advisors is that she said that she has imposter syndrome at times because she doesn't do it the same way as she sees some of the men in the industry. And I said, and you can you can share your insights on this too, but I said lean into that, keep your authenticity, but grow. Keep leaning into what you can learn, but keep your authenticity because you can do great things. It might not the process might be the same process, but the way you accomplish it might just have a different flavor because you're not the same as everybody else. And I think at times when you're talking about checking the boxes or taking a chance, that's where we hold ourselves back because we don't always have the same perception as yes. what our counterparts do.
1: Yes. Wow. I really appreciate her experience in that, that fear that she has. And there's so many different directions I could take this. So I think where I want to prioritize is I got this really great advice once. And as it relates to being a manager and management, um, it was a really tough time in my career. I was so used to doing and like a master of the doing. And then finally I had to start teaching how to do and leading and it was tough. And I'm like, not before I was a recovering workaholic, I was a recovering perfectionist. I am probably still both. Uh, <laughs> um, but this advice I had from a manager once said, you know, just because it's done differently doesn't make it wrong. And I love that so much. So that's mm-hmm. one thing I would share with her or anyone looking at something and saying, like, well, I don't want to do it this way. I don't do it this way. Like, and that doesn't that doesn't make it wrong. Um, and then to that point your instincts are telling you something. Her instincts are telling her something. And I think it's so important that we trust ourselves and that little voice inside, which we've spent a lot of time talking about and something that's so like the foundational of of my work with my clients is building that muscle of intuition and instincts and inner wisdom, because that's how we know that we're serving ourselves. And if we are out of integrity with our instincts and that inner wisdom, then we're not going to be authentic. And we're not going to be who we are. And there's just a whole ripple effect there that I could talk a a lot about, but I'll pause.
0: (laughs) Well, we kind of got into my next question, though, because my next question was, how does it show up and impact us personally and professionally? And how does that really, at the end of the day, impact our career path? So if you want to share a little bit more, because I know that when we hold ourselves back, The growth doesn't happen. And if you want to move from point A to point B to C to D, you have the best process in place. But if you're holding yourself back because you have that devil on the one side saying, Kirsten, you can't do that. And angel saying, you're scared. Just go ahead. Have faith. Trust the process. How do we overcome that? Or how do we help overcome that? Because this is, I'm sure it takes more than just a podcast to start really overcoming it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to start there actually. And it was my first business coach uh, taught me and I love this. So I share this wherever I have the opportunity is imposter syndrome is actually something that may stay with us. I think it, it comes in waves. There's times in our lives where it's like screaming at us, yelling at us holding us back. And other times where it's a more quiet whisper, it's just maybe it's sleeping. Um, but once this coach told me that, that it's actually always there, we just choose how and when to give it power. That was really liberating for me That's- because if imposter syndrome showed up, I could, I was more empowered to choose versus the imposter syndrome being a signal of something being wrong so going back to like thinking that things that things are wrong again so there's like that theme there I think that shows up in our lives um so once I came to terms with like okay imposter syndrome is gonna is gonna show up it just is like like look at that factually then it's more like what do I do with it when it when it shows up and what I do for myself and what I teach my clients is look at the evidence look at the facts try to remind yourself of what you're capable of because all of us have a track record all of us have history of experiences wins accomplishments and failures too but failures are ultimately lessons and and feedback um I love Oprah I think she says every failure is a redirection so um what's a podcast without referencing Oprah I'll just say <laughs> I'll just say that um so I think if we, if we look at our lives and say like, okay, imposter syndrome is going to show up, it shows up. Then what do I do? Then I get to look at maybe I love this. Um, someone taught me to create like a smile file. So maybe like you just create a, a folder where you just, where you get great feedback or from a client, from a manager, from a, from maybe even someone that's reporting into you. And you're like, I'm going to tuck that away for a rainy day, just to remind myself. Or, you know, people dread updating their resume, understandably so. But what would, how cool would it be if we took time every week, every month to just look at our experience and give ourselves credit that we deserve and really own our wins? Because especially as women, you know, we're just on to the next, we're on to the next thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. I accomplished that. And we blow right through it. And then we obviously focus on likely what didn't work or what we have to do, what we have to do next. Well, uh, as a recovering
0: perfectionist like yourself, which I would say I'm still kind of one of those perfectionists because I'm way too into the details at times. It's hard because you want everything to go perfectly, but per- be- perfection really is a defense mechanism instead of leaning into a failure and having a, a lesson. So I, I, it's difficult to, to switch that, switch that up. Yeah. In my opinion. And I think you taught me and I, I think I carried this from one of our our conversations and you can't see my office. You can't see behind my my video where I'm at right now. But every day I put a new post-it note on the wall behind my ring light to remind myself I can do hard things or whatever the quote of the day is, because there are days that it's difficult because I'm like, am I making an impact? I started a podcast. Am I making an impact? Am I, am I helping other people? And then I listen to other podcasts. I'm like, wow, they're awesome. You're not there yet. And then I go, wait, we're still growing.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's, it's, it, it shows up and it's h- how you decide to feed the beast.
1: Yes, exactly. And I just, that I, I mean, you know, I love my post-its too. <laughs> um, and I you're my coach. <laughs> uh, really helpful visual reminders. I mean, I, this is unrelated, but I'll share it anyways, where I being a workaholic, being a, perfectionist, I tend to, things just feel hard. And one thing that I'm working on is introducing an aspirational core value of simplicity. So I had a, I have a post that says like, it gets to be simple. And that's been a gift to me. So I, and I don't, I'm, I can easily connect that to imposter syndrome where imposter syndrome, I think tends to overcomplicate our choices. Um, And it makes it, it makes us feel like, it's not an easy decision because we're afraid of we're afraid of that failure but and we're asking ourselves that question that moment of like what could go wrong but i think the bigger question is like what could go right and i think that answer can be simple if like thinking mm-hmm. about based on obviously everything we've already done in our lives like that's like a, going back to the evidence it's like we have proof
0: yeah what could go right i think it's human nature to think what could go wrong instead of leaning into what could go right Because we're just naturally, I don't know if we're naturally prone to think of it, a glass half empty versus a glass half full. So how would you, if you and I were having a conversation and I just kept thinking of it as what could go wrong, how would you coach me on this part of the imposter syndrome of what could go right? I mean, I'm sure we had the conversation. I just want to hear it again from you because selfishly, we have great conversations and it always lifts me up. So,
1: yeah, I mean, what I would get really curious about is when we think about what could go wrong, it's like, what types of fears are showing up. And what I know for a lot of people, it's just mainly the fear of uncertainty. Like as human beings, we want to feel, we feel safe when things are more predictable and when things are more known. So when we choose growth we're ch- automatically choosing something that's unknown and that can feel uncomfortable and, and scary. So when we ask ourselves what could go wrong, it's really the natural, like you said, our brains, I don't even know what, what percentage of our energy is spent around like that negative thinking, that negative self-talk that scenario planning. Um, I love this word like catastrophizing. I mean, so many of us like the, or um, just like the, the spiraling, you know, the wheel, like, Oh my God, my, the wheels are turning this shows up for a lot of people when we're trying to go to bed. Like we just they have a lot of anxiety about all the things that we're trying to do mm-hmm. and move. So there's a lot to be, there's a lot that we fear. And what I would work with, you know, you hypothetically in that scenario is start thinking about like, what has felt good? What gets to feel good? Um, what has felt good? Why did that feel good? How do you want to feel in the, in the future? And how could you create a sense of a sense of safety for yourself and moving towards that? And that's different for for everyone, but I think we're so afraid of things going sideways and wrong that we then get we we, we procrastinate and we we get stuck and we're not willing to take a leap. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like going back to like we talked about the magic and the juice and and and. Brene Brown talks about that line in Shawshank Redemption where, where I think it's Morgan Freeman says, you know, get busy living or get busy dying. And she says, it's really that simple. Like we're either moving forward and we're living our lives or we're basically standing still or even regressing Mm -hmm. and dying. And that's like very binary. So when we have those like big life decisions, I always invite people to choose just one step forward what feels good about that? Mm -hmm. And then what could that lead to? So that's maybe a more robust answer to your question about that. I I love it, but you had my
0: brain going because I was thinking about when I was starting this podcast and I listened to my first episode for myself and all I did was criticize. I was in my head going, you sound nervous, your voice shook, you stuttered here and all these self-criticisms. And then I thought about Who inspired me to start a podcast? And and, and candidly, Jason Smith, one of our founders, and David Allison, one of our founders, they have a constant podcast, they're constantly speaking, and they inspired me because I thought this was a great way to get in front of more people. And I thought when they first started speaking and doing this, I'm sure they weren't as phenomenal as they are now. So give yourself grace, keep practicing, keep listening, but don't give up because it's really easy. As soon as you get down that lane of criticizing yourself, letting the imposter syndrome like start creeping in, you, a lot of people just stop and they won't move forward. They won't do it again because they're, they're scared. And I was like, the more it scares me, the more I know I need to do it. So I, I listened to more of their podcasts. I listened to other podcasts. I listened to so many podcasts that I probably ran to them as well, but it was leaning into the fear and doing it anyway. Um, do I get of- nervous? I get nervous every time I do this, but it's worth it. And I think being vulnerable in this podcast with you, sharing that it's not always roses and it's a little bit scary. I think hopefully that'll inspire other people to start thinking about that voice inside them and what can they do to overcome it. you mentioned that imposter syndrome is always with you. So there, there really isn't a cure.
1: I don't believe so. I mean, it's more of the, it's a mindset thing. It's the thing that you have to, my cure is telling myself that it's a trick it's like a trick that my brain like my ego is telling me of like okay I'm not I'm not safe so I just get to tell myself I am safe and I can choose empowerly and you know um empowered from that place
0: so I think we've kind of talked about this too but it's like how would you like how do we know if, if it's the di- how, is there a difference between tr- uh, imposter syndrome and truly I don't have a skill set is there something that we can unpack here too because sometimes like in my, in my own journey, there were jobs I looked at, I knew it wasn't a case of me having imposter syndrome. It was not the right fit, but is there, is there a true line or do we just need to take chances? And then if we hear no, it's just a learning experience.
1: Yeah. I think it's such a great question, Kirsten. And, and, and one I actually haven't answered before, I mean, what I think is Sorry, put you on the spot. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And my favorite part of like workshops or masterclasses is the Q&A because you have no idea what's going to be asked and you're like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> what's happening? So I'm um, feeling, those, feeling those vibes right now, which I love. So <laughs> lean into it. Yes. Here's what I'll say. There's two things that come to mind. The first is looking at the evidence again. So there's things that we just know in our career and our experiences that we have those skills, like there's, again, there's proof. And then the things that we haven't done, my question would be, is that something that I want to learn? It doesn't matter, can I learn it? It's like, do I want to learn it? I think that's a more important question. And then either we, let's say, okay, yes, this is something I want to learn. We lean into it, guess what? We also get to change our mind. We might be like, you know what? That's not actually what I thought it was gonna be like. I get to choose, I get to choose out of that versus being afraid to even try. Because when you ask the question about skills, it's more like, of course, like, so for example, background in marketing transition to a coach. Could I jump into coding and programming or being like, for example, the, the really smart people that are now prompting and creating prompts for chat GPT and all of this AI technology are getting paid, I think something like $350,000. I saw a headline. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have the skills to do that, nor do I want to. Um, but that doesn't matter because if I'm fully aligned with what I want to do, that's where I feel like when you feel really aligned with what you're doing and you have, I think, a great support system, anything's possible.
0: So would you say one of the best or a couple of the best key coping mechanisms or, or survival skills, whatever you want to call it, for dealing with imposter syndrome would be Maintaining your authenticity. And if you don't know what that is, taking time to become self-aware of what is your, again, my hell yes or your hell knows. And you align yourself with that. And if you don't know that what that is, going through a process like with yourself or another coach to find it and to leaning into what you want to learn, even if it scares you a little bit.
1: Yes. Yes to all that. (laughs) I mean, you're not supposed to ask closed-ended questions,
0: but what I feel what's coming from this is that we're all going to experience imposter syndrome. So let's lean into it. Let's lean into our authenticity. Let's lean into what is it that we find ourselves energized by? And I mean, any career path you're on, there's going to be challenges. You have to know, are these things that I want to do? Like, I love working with my advisors. I love helping them help their clients get to their retirement goals, happy, and love their success story. So I get to be their daily cheerleader. Would I want to be an actuary? No, I'm bad at math. And I like my niece is really good with math. She loves numbers. I don't love numbers. So that wouldn't be a good fit like you were talking about. So it's, it's such a dynamic. I think it's it's a dynamic path to go down.
1: And I think it's it's such a great question. And I actually think it's quite complex, um, to be honest, because I'm thinking about like three, three dimensions. There's like the personal one. There's the one where we get to trust ourselves. And when we trust ourselves implicitly, like I do believe anything's possible. So when we trust ourselves, that's one way to overcome imposter syndrome. The second one from that place of trusting ourselves is when we receive feedback that contradicts what we know about ourselves it doesn't get to discredit us or it doesn't get to shame us or create this altered version of ourselves where we're like, Oh, sorry. I was about to swear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, Oh, actually I don't have that skill because so-and-so told me in my 360 review that I'm not really great in that area. And what I, what I will say about feedback. And of course, like when we hear things from our peers, our collaborators, our friends, our family, is it's obviously subjective and it's just that it's only feedback. So we can take what we want and like, let it go. So we can't let that feedback rattle us. Cause oftentimes the feedback we receive outside of ourselves reinforces imposter syndrome. So I think that's the second part of like the dimension. The third one is, is cultural. I just think here, especially in the U S when we are in such a performance focused, um, race, that there doesn't really leave room for trial and error or exploration or growing pains, all the things that would free us from the fear of getting it wrong. So Mm -hmm. for example, I saw this video on Instagram and this woman was talking about um, a reporter that went to go study how, how lessons are taught in Japan. And this one student, like, wasn't getting the assignment right. So the teacher invited that student to go up to the board. And, right, I can see, like, I, you guys can't see Kirsten's face, but she just, like, had a, Ooh, like, feeling in her whole body. And it's exactly right. Like, oh, wow, they're just going to put that kid on display. And that brings a lot of, like, negative connotations to it. And what was so beautiful about this example, and I love learning this, is in Japan, the, the students... The teachers and the students were encouraging this child to learn and he stayed on the whiteboard until he got it right and his his classmates the entire time were cheering him on and it was a culture of support it was a culture of practice it was a culture of like it's okay to get it wrong. And we're here to help you see it through. Where in the US, I can only imagine, like I rarely raised my hand. Like I had a complex about reading out loud. I was scared to read out loud. I was scared to pronounce something wrong because it was, embar- it was embarrassing. And there was like shame built in there. So I think just to summarize, I think there's three layers of imposter syndrome. And I think it's our individual choice to choose how we view ourselves. But of course those external factors are working, are working against us. And we can't deny that they're there.
0: I think what's really important from my experience in life and working with you is to give myself grace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I give other people grace when they make mistakes and I'm, I'm free at giving other people grace. But when it comes to myself and making a mistake, I take it so personally, instead of saying, you made a mistake, let go, learn, you know, as we were in this conference, I think it was last December. So what now what? made a mistake. So what now, what, what are you going to use that for? I'm going to use it for growth, but it's having that mindset. And sometimes it takes somebody else like yourself, pulling that out of a person or hearing a podcast or reading a book to, to be able to let that go. But you're so on point when you talk about that, because it's hard if you're a perfectionist or you've got a high standard for yourself, you might not hold anybody else to your same standard, but that standard you set for yourself, you're like, why is it there? because you're afraid to fail, you're afraid to make a mistake. So you put your standard there. So you have a benchmark, but you don't give yourself grace if you fall short. And and that is a part of the the imposter syndrome. Um, what, what other advice would you have for anyone going through this right now? Any other words of wisdom from my personal cheerleader?
1: I mean, we are our own worst enemy and we are also the best possible advocate. And I would say that if you are struggling with imposter syndrome or self doubt insecurity, it's an invitation to do the inner work because, and that's why I'm so lit up about this, this work as a, as a life coach. And there's a lot of different resources available in coaching and and therapy and books. Um, but I think that inner exploration is, I think the most valuable work that we can, we can do regardless of of the format, the more we understand ourselves and also the more that we, I want to say own. So for example, you briefly in my bio, you mentioned kind of like enoughness and worthiness. I believe that we come into this world whole, we come into this world enough. Like we wake up enough, we are worthy. And then along the way we get deconditioned or conditioned to think otherwise. So if you don't feel like you're enough or you don't feel worthy and imposter syndrome showing up, there's a beautiful opportunity to remind yourself of who you are and what you're capable of. And there's lots of different resources available to support you in that journey.
0: Oh, I love that. And now here at C2P we do have our mentorship connect that our mastermind advisors can take advantage of. But I'm a big believer on doing the work outside of your current occupation. So I'm with you 100%. I, from my own testimony, working with you, like we we joke around, we talk a lot, but you and your guidance helped me peel back layers to be a better version of myself. And I'm constantly a work in progress, but I think if people are willing to step outside of their comfort zone and not just do something because it's a part of their job, but because they wanna be the best version of themselves, the best investment they can do is to put money into their own personal life coach or professional coach to get them to that next level. So I think that's, it's so important to do the work. And as we're wrapping up our time together, I do have one other question for you. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self if you knew today, what you didn't know then, and you could go back and have a conversation with a younger version of Kelly.
1: I think it would actually be what I just mentioned earlier, that we wake up enough. I would have told her that I'm enough regardless of what I deliver, what I create, what I produce, what I manage. Like, Because my identity for so long was so wrapped up in my work and I think work is a beautiful thing. I think it's important to be passionate about our careers and like you talked about the impact that we have in the world. And we often make that mean that we're getting it again, we're getting it wrong or that we're not, we're not enough. And I wish I had told little Kelly, little Kelly, that no matter what she's doing or producing, she just is, she just is enough.
0: Well, you are enough. You're, you're fabulous. And I am so thankful that our paths crossed back in 2020. Um, I, I, I keep saying that you're my personal cheerleader, but I celebrate you. I celebrate what you've taught me. And anybody who's had conversations with me, when we've talked about hard things, I use a lot of Kellyisms. I give you a lot of credit for that. So I appreciate you sharing your time with me and our audience today. I know you've got a big trip with your family and friends in a few hours. So I appreciate you and um, thank you. Thank you for being a part of a woman's clarity today.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is such a joy and thank you for asking me such beautiful, thoughtful questions that also I think illuminated a lot of new things for me as well. So it was such a treat. Thank you. This recording was created by C2P and is for advisor use only. Opinions of the guests may not represent
0: the opinions of C2P.